Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ball Move Prestige, the officially unofficial podcast for all the most prestigious television you can find on any channel, streaming service, or I don't know, what else is there? Satellite radio. Yeah, that's streaming television on satellite radio. Uh, hey, Ron, we're here to talk today about season two, episodes four through six of The Bear. Uh, we said in our advertisement for this week, our highlights for this week, that we were going to cover seasons, uh, episodes four through seven. And I looked at episode six and I said, shit, that's a double size episode. It's an hour and six minutes long. Um, I, I don't I don't know if we want to break it up like this because that's going to leave you know a weird a weird thing uh, for next week. So we decided to only Plus go a long with six. episode. Kind of implies there's some kind of like real hammer maybe that yes, good stopping that's place. What I was thinking. Good, like, I'm like <laughs> okay, it's an hour long. People are probably going to watch this and be like, all right, I've had enough for tonight. Let me watch the rest tomorrow. So it's a probably a good break point. <laughs> and boy, yeah. we were a hundred percent right to do this. Uh, Your instincts are on point, Jim. <laughs> Holy shit, man. Because I, I needed to stop. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to talk about episodes four and five. I just want to talk about six because <sighs> it's know. a whopper. Episode six is this season's season one, episode seven. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's a very good. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, very good comparison it, with the Burnthal of everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. And that episode is hilariously, that episode was shorter. That episode was 20 minutes because you couldn't handle much more. This, they blow it out to an hour and I wanted to die. But what a slow burn. What a slow. It's like playing that game. Uh, I don't know if if, if (laughs) the kids will remember this, but as old folks remember the little shark game where you blew a balloon up and you put it in this plastic shark's mouth and you rolled mm-hmm. dice and you moved around and then you'd have to give the shark's mouth the, a turn. There's like a turn on the top of the shark and every time you twisted it, it, its teeth would clench a little bit and then whoever, uh, you know, was uh, w- was turning it when the, when the balloon exploded, you had to go back to the beginning. And, you know, after you'd done 30 clicks on that shark, you started like, oh my, it's, it's going to blow. Mm-hmm. It's not not going to blow. And you're just like, really? Oh, God. Oh, God. That's what the last 30, 40 minutes this episode (laughs) felt like. Just like, what is the thing that's going to be? And it's so funny because like, so I watched this uh, last night. It's time recording. Last night was June 25th. And I got this little tradition I started a couple years ago called Mid Christmas, where I spend June 25th dressed in Christmas clothes, listening to Christmas music and watching Christmas movies and doing like, you know, Christmassy things. Mm-hmm. And it got to be about 10 o'clock and I knew that I could either start another Christmas movie or I could maybe watch the bear and get myself to early bed and then have a bunch of time to prep for it tomorrow. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a mid Christmas present to myself and like, you know, <laughs> do, do something good for future Aaron. Mm-hmm. And I started up and I get to episode six. And I'm like, 
Oh my God, it's a mid-Christmas miracle. I'm getting a Christmas episode of The Bear. How delightful. <laughs> my uh-huh. Christmas spirit has been rewarded. 60 minutes later, I I was in a, I was in an emotional ruins, like just smoking rubble all yeah. around me. Like, this is the least Christmas thing of all time. <laughs> uh, you know, this is not going to be something I watch every Christmas. Uh, unless my yeah. life takes a significant turn. Oh my oh God. So my I best because like I was looking at people's reactions on social media and whatever, and there's like you're there's two types of people to watch this episode. There's the people that have lived through this, and then there's the normies. There's the John Mulaney's of the group where it's like this is their first exposure to something this toxic and awful, and they don't even know what to make of it. Which group are you? Uh, I'm firmly the latter. I I can't imagine that there are people who live lives this way. It's oh it, 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 because you would just you wouldn't live that life. You would just kill yourself. <laughs> like and most of these people have tried, right? Like yeah, that's the thing. Most of these people either have already tried or are going to and succeed. It's like I don't imagine how you come out of that pressure cooker in any way okay. Yeah, so like my mom's side of family is a lot like this. Um, my dad's side of family is not, but my mom's side is like this extreme, like, you know, it's like on the surface, everyone loves each other and everything's big talk about family, but like you get mm-hmm. these big family events and shit always gets stirred, right? Um, I mean, not at this, like I've, I can't say I've ever been to a Christmas party where someone ends up in the living room in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, uh, the, the, the fork throwing and the goading and the like three or four people instigating versus everyone else just wishing people would stop. Um, like, and, and everyone, uh, you know, the, the, everyone deals with it in different ways. Like there's like, you know, if you, if you study anything about these, these families that have these, uh, you know, problems with addiction and uh, emotional regulation and just uh, getting shit together. There's like different roles, you know, the child, you know, that that did you learn from? Like, you know, you can be the enabler, the hero, the scapegoat, the clown, the lost child. Uh, you can kind of pick and choose which one Mikey and Carm and uh, Sugar and all those uh, take. But it's like to me, it was, you know. I guess is the word triggering. It just, just, mm-hmm. just, just, just like I, it's, it felt like, yeah, man, this just feels a lot like being seven, eight years old, seeing the aunts and uncles screaming and yelling and wondering, uh, you know, when mom and dad are going to scoop us up and get us out of here. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty fucking wild. And like the dynamics are just so right on the fact that like everyone's miserable. The fact that like they're giving like multiple contradictory instructions, like I just want to be left alone, get out of here versus I do everything and no one helps me like it's just this big, you know, codependent dance that they're doing uh, to perpetuate this cycle of madness and stress because they don't know, like, everything else is unfamiliar. Like, everything they do is designed mm-hmm. to get them into this dynamic because this is what's familiar and this is what uh, this is what they know how to deal with. And it's also the thing that's killing them in many cases. But what the hell else are they going to do? Um yeah, and the thing yeah. to me that, that it was really striking about this is, you know, we've seen glimpses of characters like Mikey and um, glimpses of how they all interact. And we've seen it mostly through Richie and Carmi, but Carmi is not the guy who's going to blow things up. Carmi's the guy who's going to simmer things down, right? Um, yeah. 
boy, when you get a few people in a room who have no instinct to calm things and only want to escalate and and feel that they are personally attacked with the slightest provocation, uh, th- there's there's something they do in this show, in this episode in particular, that's like telling me that these people don't like this. Like even the people who are doing it don't like mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And yet they're compelled to continue doing it. And and they don't mm-hmm. even understand why. Like they're it, the thing that works about this so well to me is that all these characters are so complex and there are a lot of contradictions within them. Um, I, I don't know exactly how Mikey views himself, but we know how everybody else views him as like, mm-hmm. you know, that charismatic, great guy who's going to be there for you and do all these things. But also look at what he's doing in this episode. He's a huge part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, and I think he knows that and I think he can't stop it, but also... Like there's so many there's so many complex things going on in his head that I don't even think he understands, and it just works out to this really interesting character. And you got yeah, a whole family I, full of them. Yeah, and it's 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 clear to me that Mikey is these great things that people say about him, but he also is not great at business. And what is happening is he is because we talked about like, why doesn't he want Carmi to be in the bear or Mm -hmm. uh, in the beef? And clearly it's because he thought, you know, he was destined for better things and this, that and the other. But we Mm -hmm. also get a clue that like Mikey is aware that he's losing it in every way. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's losing, you know, he's he's running this business into the ground. Uh, It's no longer able to stay profitable. It's hemorrhaging money. Um, he has b- bummed money off friends and family and he's kind of running at the end of the, the, the that rope and he's wanting to protect his brother from and, and maybe even there's this, you know, like like at the end of last finale, it's like you're kind of seeing this at a little bit better uh, picture that like he might even had this plan of like, OK, I can't save this thing, but what I can do is squirrel enough money and then uh, get the end of my rope and leave this free and clear to my little brother and get let him give a chance to let it rip, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, man, I read a couple comments where people's like, I don't get this episode. It didn't tell us anything we didn't already know. It's just, re-. and I'm like, oh, dude, this really? gave us so, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I violently disagree. I throw uh-huh. the fork three times at such a person <laughs> uh, because like this gave us so many missing puzzle pieces to like, yeah, this why what was the disparity with Mikey? Like you just hear this great guy, this gregarious guy, this guy that was the glue that held everything together and yet he killed himself. Mm-hmm. How did this happen? Well, we get a heck of a lot more insight in this. We get a heck of a lot more into the insight between, you know, what's going on in Carmi and uh Natalie's mind. Uh mm-hmm. you know, and just like it's it's just I don't know, seeing the big family dynamic all together and getting like these just A-list superstars. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis doing probably Emmy nominated nominating worthy uh, work here in this episode. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, Bob Odenkirk because of John Mulaney, Sarah Paulson. Uh, and they're just they're 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 just they're just killing it. They're nailing it. And there's a whole lot of also like undercurrents to things. Like um, this is something I didn't pick up in my two watches of the episode, but. Uh, there is a compelling case that I saw on Reddit where people are like, "Is Uncle Lee? Uh, did he? Ha- is, does he have a relationship with Donna? 
like their mother in a way that Mikey finds personally offensive because, you know, there's this whole part of the goading sequence was like, you know, the reason I get to act this way is because you are sitting here in my father's house and that could be a a territory thing, but there's also, you know, some people suspected that there is some raw feelings from a long time ago about a possible affair or maybe, I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought that was interesting. Uh, And I imagine as we go through the season, this episode is going to reverberate through the rest of it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, you watch an episode like this and when you hear Carm say, you know, this blaring alarm in the background doesn't bother me. It's because he's just been awash in this chaos his entire life. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, like there, there, there were some pacing things they were doing in this episode that like at times came a little too late for me. Like they do this scene mm. at the very beginning, right, where Mikey comes out and they're they're having a cigarette outside and you can kind of hear a little bit of shouting, a little mm. bit of chaos inside. Um, and you're thinking, boy, it's going to be interesting when we go back inside. But then you go inside and it's just nonstop for a good 20 minutes. Just nonstop. Richie chattering, Mikey chattering, like everybody just at 110%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it got to be too much for me. I'm like, I need a fucking break. I need a break mm-hmm. from this. I'm going to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Yep. Uh, and it comes just like when I'm right at the edge of what I can stand in this episode, then you get the scene where Richie goes up to the bedroom to just be with Tiff. And I think like that is such a needed respite in that moment. Uh, And and then the rest of the episode is going to be more chaos, but like, yeah, it's, it's a tightrope balance that they're doing for the, the pacing of this episode. Uh yeah, Jillian Jacobs. Speaking of Richie, uh, what a great choice to portray his uh ex ex wife ex girlfriend. Um, like seeing the five. This is roughly five and a half years before the prime timeline. If you do the the mm-hmm. weeks before open math, uh, and seeing like all the ways that they're really good together, and all the ways that Richie's a good guy, but also like oh, you can already <laughs> tell. Yeah, the, I mean, the where the fractures are going to happen, and it's gonna making be promises over, he can't keep. Lying it's going to be over rich. Yeah, yeah they'd be able to hold a job and make mm-hmm. enough money to you know, and and, and yeah, it just it just fits, and trying to give it, her the life that he wants for his girl and his child, right? Like, and the way the camera, the like when they're talking about this new expensive place she wants to get, and like mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of like uh, fidgeting with her enormous engagement ring. Uh-huh. Like a fucking two care and like he's kind of and, and the camera, you know, uh, sees him looking at it and follows down there and see and we're like, oh, shit, this is a guy who's probably going to be paying on that for 20 years. And now she wants to move into the nice part of town. And like these are things nothing wrong with wanting all these things. But like Richie sure. is just incapable of, of giving it. Yeah, um, like, and I, I, that's the crazy thing. If you say this doesn't tell us anything about the characters like I mean. I kind of viewed Richie as a little bit of a fuck up before, but I view him as like more sympathetic in this episode because he's not necessarily a fuck up and just like trying to get his, but he's trying to do it for the people that he loves in his life, but he's just not capable. He's just not that Mm. guy, right? He doesn't have the skills. He doesn't have the charm to pull it off. Um, 
and can he make, feel can bad he make for it? Him. Can he can he acquire it? I think that's the the story of his. Like uh-huh. this, the fascinating thing about him is is he going to be able to? You know, is this going to be something aspirational like Ted Lasso? Is this going to be something that's mm-hmm. more uh, like of a warning like uh, BoJack Horseman? Um, because like you know that's what I always say when we talk about shows like this in that you know uh, BoJack Horseman or uh, Ted Lasso frame is that I think the world needs these shows because a lot of people can. Uh, can relate to being in these family situations. It's not like you asked. It's like a circumstance of your birth. And, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a satisfying answer to be like, well, you're just fucked. If you look at uh, yeah. therapy statistics and mental illness and statistics and addiction, you just got dealt a bad hand. It's just you're, you know, but like, I don't believe that. I think that, uh, <laughs> you know, if you can get access to the right uh, therapies and, uh, uh, you know, get the right circle of friends and the right support network that, that anybody can do better, you know, to know better and start doing better. And I, and I would love to see at least a story or two about that. And I think we are. We already see a lot of mm-hmm. success stories. The first two episodes, uh, four and five, which you probably need to talk about a little bit, uh, oh, show sure. those <laughs> like, you know, um, guy like Marcus, you know, who has mm-hmm. been, you know, talked about this in the first episode, what an act of service and love that he's giving. And you find out it's been four and a half years. Yeah. And, you know, that he's like just racked with guilt going to Copenhagen to do this high end pastry chef stuff and to learn desserts. It's this Carmi's uh, chef friend. And uh, he's in a complete like there's there's so many things we can talk about that that I thought in the fifth episode, uh, this the the Cia and Tina really blossom into the chef role where Ibra mm-hmm. seems like he's running away from it for some reason, which worries me. Um, Yeah, I don't, I yeah. don't know what they're doing with with Ibra, but I. I wonder if he's even coming back or if him just kind of smoking out by the lake is he has the last to come really back. See of him. He has to did like, you know, he can't leave Tina hanging like that. Cause like, you know, she's carrying this all by herself. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she's not telling Carm, Hey, you know, Ibra's like ghosted culinary school and blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. I, I think we'll see him. I just don't know what, the deal is going to be is he going to turn is he going to be kind of like this season's marcus where you just got to find the right thing to kind of awaken his passion or is it going to be like yeah i didn't sign up for this i got i want to go be a line cook at a greasy spoon because this is bullshit yeah i don't know uh we'll see we'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back with more Bald Move. Do we, we, should we talk about some of these? Uh, uh, let's, let's start with the first episode, episode four. I kind of well, work well, my way through. A little bit more that I wanted to say about episode six. Um, before we, we presumably have the rest of the episode or the rest of the podcast. Uh, but but yeah, let, okay. Okay. No, let, let's do. Let's go back to episode four. I guess. Um. What. So we got confirmation, not that we needed it, that Sugar's pregnant. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing that I kind of wrinkled my nose at in this entire run is the whole gag where she's making this big deal that she only wants to tell Carmi and no one else finds out, and the fucking wall falls down right as she says, "I'm pregnant." Uh huh. That I, I, this, this is the only ne- negative thing I'm gonna say about the show. The, the the this entire episode, I thought that was bad. Okay, it's just bad. This is bad. It's bad. It's bad. Bad idea for gag. It was poorly. Like for some reason, it looked composited. I don't know if it actually was that. There's like a safety know. issue of pulling a wall down in front of these actors. So did in front of green screen. It wasn't funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's but but that that's 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 literally happens up front. Only bad thing about the episode. Um, did you? I guess what I'm this show teaches me to be suspicious of anything good. Uh, I was mm-hmm. afraid for half the episode that uh, poor Marcus, this uh, the chef friend of um, of Carm, what was his mm. name? Uh, uh, Luca. Okay. Luca, that he was going to explode and like eviscerate this guy, and I kept on saying, "Well, he's friends with Carmi, but also Carm has been through the ring, the chef ringer, and maybe he thinks that's what people need." Because like when that guy kept on saying, "Again, chef, that's not right, chef. Again, chef," that's like I, I just kept, yeah. The, yeah, it's worse, chef. And like then and like because Marcus was responding to that I think with attempts to kind of like diffuse or you know lighten and i was like i just kept on waiting for luca to just like you're not taking this serious enough you don't got what it takes you're gonna get eaten up and it never happened in fact the opposite like he really fucking mentored the shit out of this guy mm-hmm. yeah and, it, it was a strange vibe in that scene but it was uh is ultimately i, I like the stuff he says about you know you got to be open right it's more it's less about skill and more about being open um and being inspired I think that's what this guy this guy is living what he preaches here right yeah and like this I, everything about his worldview everything he said mm-hmm. uh, I soaked up like rainwater because it's just yeah you know like hey if you spend all your time doing this to exclusion of everything else you're gonna lack inspiration and that's what makes people truly great that the, the something inside of you that you want to share and mm-hmm. if you just like wring yourself out like a sponge, you'll be dried up. And, you know, like I met a guy's better than me. And it's the first time that I actually saw that there's somebody better than me. And I realized that I'll I'll never be the best because this person exists. And but trying to keep up with that person and not taking that as like an intimidation that you just got to like run and hide from. But like a challenge and the fact that this other guy was apparently willing to let this guy run with him and wasn't like a dick about it and was willing to share and like just trying to keep up with him made him so much better as a as a chef and a person i i just thought that stuff was all incredible and i have never seen this uh will poulter in anything i've liked him in uh most recently adam warlock in uh i don't know whichever the latest marvel thing and i'm just like oh my god adam warlock's a goofy ass character this guy sucks as it oh it's in the guardians Mm -hmm. and the, and when I saw him, I'm like, oh, geez, he's going to blow up a Marcus. I'm going to really hate this guy. But <laughs> nah, yeah, he fucking killed it. This was a this was such a great little Marcus bottle episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I, I also like it with the sort of juxtaposition of how Carmi talks about his time in Copenhagen when he's talking with, I think, Sydney. Um. Mm. Or maybe no, maybe it was maybe it was in episode six when he's talking with Mikey. 
he says three things like tell me three things about copenhagen and he's yeah like, i lived I on a boat, a boat i fed an invisible cat uh-huh which i never uh, put it, it together amazing. that there's not a cat there i don't know it's a good question uh like did he have a cat that died and he just keeps putting out a bowl of water so that you know I mean, cats are like, skittish around people they don't know he could just be hiding under a bed but like yeah maybe who knows i asked um, you know on mid, on mid christmas i asked jack if uh yeah it's like what movie do you want to watch with me because i make him watch at least one with me and he said he want to watch eight bit christmas again and it's, it's like you know the dad they leave a cup that his nasty uh hockey cup that he always is proud of they always set that for him at the head of the table even though he's not there anymore is that like coco's mm, deal could be they get the nasty water bowl <laughs> Actually, yeah. pretty nice one. But anyway, yeah. But but the way they talk about Copenhagen, it is one of those inspiring experiences, right? It's that being open kind of feeling, like my life is going to change in this place. And I think Marcus is feeling that too. And the the thing that really it's drives European that Marcus. home, Marcus, European Marcus, yeah. The, the thing that drives that home is his encounter with the guy on the bike. I guess he doesn't start on the bike; he starts on the ground. He help. Uh, where the yeah, he hears a guy yelling help. He goes over, finds a, a biker who's struck a fence and is kind of stuck underneath it, and he helps him out and lifts it off of him. And the guy can't, like, communicate with him verbally, and he, he just, like, hugs him for, for, like, a long minute and then gets on his bike and rides away. And I think this is transformative for Marcus. I think, like, the dish that he makes after this is the... That was the inspiration for that dish. I don't think this is a, a dish that was like on the menu at Noma. No, I think you're right. Um, I'm trying to figure out like where all, where all that, because like there's the other thing about that scene, the help scene is the music they played was like this, this sinister, synthetic, menacing music. That's almost uh-huh. like Phil Collins in the air tonight, the early stages of that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Jesus, what are they going with this? Is this guy going to like stab Marcus or and he and then the, the he keeps getting and the, the 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 music was at such dissonance and maybe this is a flavor thing, you know? It's like you got the sweet to bring out the or you got salty to bring out the sweet. They had this kind of like dread music uh and then the guy just hugs him and leaves and then he has, he has, has this wonderful conversation, FaceTime conversation with Sydney and he comes and makes a dessert that really impresses himself, which is Mm-hmm. always a good start right but like what what do you do you see d- direct inspiration because the other thing is i couldn't follow this cooking most of the cooking on the show i couldn't do but i can appreciate like what they're doing the techniques when they're doing this chemistry shit with like foams mm-hmm. and gelatins yeah. and extracts and uh I, fucking polymer layers and shit i don't know in fact i mm-hmm. don't buy that any of the desserts taste good I think they taste. <laughs> maybe they do. Maybe they do. I sure I'd they have taste to, good. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's like uh, I I couldn't follow. So do do you when you yeah. say inspired? Like what do you mean? There's like a direct inspiration there, or just that this um, this real world experience, this human connection he forged, uh-huh. just inspired him in like a creative sense, not like oh the the the, the caviar right, is represents this guy's the fence. bruised knee uh, yeah. and yeah yeah <laughs> no. yeah okay, crushing okay. down on the the no no <laughs> I don't think it's like a direct inspiration that way, but like I think the event yeah like you said opened him up right it because it is a dangerous thing what he's doing here I I kept looking at this scenario going 
when is the other guy, the accomplice, going to run up from behind and yes. jump him and take his wallet, his phone? Yes. When is this guy going to pick his pocket? When is Marcus going to yep. realize his pocket was picked during this hug and now he doesn't have his passport? Like, And that never happened. And so mm-hmm. I think like this is an experience with Marcus, which is like, you know, he's he's the helper. But it's it was also a dangerous place. Like helping his mom is not dangerous in any way. It's not it's not gonna change his his perception of people. But like this kind of does, I think. I think it's um I think it's actually possible for him helping his mom to hurt him too. Um, because like, you know, there's this idea of like the oxygen mass theory that like if, you know, when you're a parent and you're traveling to a small child and like the oxygen mass deploy and it's like a disaster. Um, a caretaker's first instinct is to put the mask on the person they're taking care of. But that's stupid because, you know, if it takes you 15, 20 seconds and the kid passes out, as long as you get your oxygen mask on, you can put theirs on. They'll be fine. But mm-hmm. if you fumble with their mask for 10, 15 seconds and pass out and then they're just a three year old trying to figure them out, they're going to they're both going to die. And I think that's what Sydney was trying to say is like you can't. You know, just like in 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 terms of creativity, I, I think the Sydney conversation and the uh, Luca conversation are supposed to co- complement each other. Again, mm-hmm. they do with this this cooking concepts, because he was saying it from a creative standpoint, you can, as an artist, you can't just output, 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 output. You'll run out. You have to take things in. And mm-hmm. Sydney was saying from a human standpoint, like yeah. You know, and it's not like you're being it's like, you know, your grandma, if you just take care of, take care of at the exclusion of yourself, you won't be able to do that. You'll burn out. You'll get resentful, Mm -hmm. which is about the worst thing you can, you know, have towards your grandmother. Um, And, you know, she sucks. Also, like, look, you're not being irresponsible. You've left her with someone that cares for her and they're professional and you'll be the first to know, blah, blah, blah. But like him and being like, will he be able to internalize those? Um, Mm -hmm. Because like this is not what Carmi and his family do. You know, uh, no, uh, they are all leaky buckets trying to stay, you know, keep any kind of uh, semblance of moisture inside them. And just this, just, it's, it's a it's a fool's errand. Uh, mm. But um, I, I like the FaceTime gags, too. I like the that's a that's a great. Yeah, I want to, have to remember that if you have a shaky line, like, you know, say goodbye to like act like you've hung up and then do like a jump scare at the person. That's uh a clap clap that's a that's a that's a good that's a good facetime gag yeah who does facetime though come on i feel like i i feel like young people do it a lot my uh, my son is like always video chatting with his friends really like we were like well and then just like crazy places Mm -hmm. like uh you know um uh we're on a ski lift once uh and uh you know a guy one of his friends called him from his work facetiming so i don't know maybe it's a generational thing because i'm like yeah "Yeah, why the fuck would i want to see anybody when i'm talking to him why would the fuck would i want to talk to anybody when i'm talking to him just true text (laughs) jesus um but yeah the the food in this episode, I just I just don't. When you start taking flamethrowers to wedges of Jello and throwing mm-hmm. fish eggs on it, I'm just like, nope, nope. I'll take a Snickers, thank you, with a mint on the what side if I must. Okay, all right. The, the, actually, if it tastes like a minty Snickers, that does sound good. So mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't knock it before I try it, but I'm not gonna go to Copenhagen and pay sixty five dollars for the experience either. There's one dessert that Marcus just eats in one single bite that I'm certain is not meant to be eaten in a single bite. Yeah. 
Which one? Is it? The... It's one of the disc-shaped ones, and that probably doesn't narrow okay. it down at all, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he, he stuffs the whole thing in his mouth. Surely that can't be the intended way to eat it. Well, there's a couple of things he did that struck me as a little, like the way Luca was looking at it when he did it struck me as kind of faux pas-ish, but I wasn't sure. Because again, I would I couldn't read Luca. Um uh, you know, like I couldn't tell if he's like one of these uh, slow burn dynamite wicks, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but yeah, he's just a uh, really grounded, really exceptionally grounded person. Um, and you can, that's the thing is when, we, if we get back to episode six there, you can see the different lifelines that Carmi took to change his life. And the question is, will will always be for me until we get to the end of the series. Did he let go of some of these lifelines a little too early? You know, mm-hmm. to jump back yeah. in after multiple sinking ships. But do you have anything else to talk about in episode four? Because we can move on to the Tina centric five. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I really appreciated the subtle makeup job they're doing in these episodes where like this opening shot of Sydney and Tina planning the menu like they have tired makeup on. You can see like their eyes are puffy. They got rings under them. There's extra ring. Like they're they're showing like and I, I had my notes like, oh, my God, they look exhausted. And then Tina says, it's you realize, chef, it's one thirty in the morning. And Sydney mm-hmm. had no like, you know, if you put a gun to it, she'd probably say, oh, it's probably nine o'clock. Um, I just really I really thought that was cool. And the I love Carm giving her his probably thousand dollar chef knife. Mm-hmm. like when she's like hey I need a knife for because we're doing cutting today and I don't have like is there one I can borrow and he's like yeah uh, take this one such and such and such and she goes away for like five minutes while he has a conversation he comes back and he's like chef this is your knife your chef like that was super mm-hmm. touching yeah yeah because it's a very personal thing for chefs right like he's got his name on it he doesn't want other people using his knife willy nilly uh and yeah, it's probably made out of special materials. I mean, this is probably a knife he got at Noma. You would think, yeah, that he yeah. took with him back to the states, out to New York, back again. So this is special to him, and so for him to just kind of hand it over to her and trust her with that, you yeah. know, that that it's not going to end up in Lake Michigan or something. She's uh, not going to, and and she's going to be worthy of it too. And then that that's paid off uh-huh. later in the episode where you can see like there's a moment where she like. <laughs> it's like the bride would draw, drawing the Hanzo Hattori steel and she's like let's fucking go and she just like she's like a machine with these fishes and cut and then the, mm-hmm. the head chef of the culinary institute comes over is like that's nice cutting chef and like it's a moment you know yeah. uh, she went she's from getting a lot of confidence boosters this episode yeah. right I mean yeah, between yeah. getting compliments about her cooking and then her singing like just capturing the entire room the, an entire party of like from her perspective kids right like young people college age people i think that are like probably not primed to think oh this old lady's cool right and then she kind of wows everybody with yeah i mean her her voice is very good but also her passion that she's singing with right yeah i and you know again the show's taught me to be on the defensive so she when she acted like hesitant to go into this bar I'm like oh my god is Tina an alcoholic too and she wants to fit in so bad she's going to go and she's going to relapse but mm-hmm. it just led to another like just like the Marcus so like there's like three episodes in a row where I like the bear is like okay I'm waiting for the bear to maul somebody and we get to the Christmas episode my, <laughs> my guard was completely down but like the way <laughs> oh, this no. thing paced for maximum devastation uh-huh. um 
but like yeah i i so the, the the tina stuff was great and it's contrasted with the ebra stuff where he's out like at dawn looking over the river smoking on a cigar uh, not respond, not not taking Tina, like you know, uh, Carmi or Sydney's calls, but not even talking to Tina, which you know, I think they've always hinted that they've you know they they've known each other a long time, had a friendship, and she's a little hurt that he's kind of like you know like hey, don't shut me out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a better? I, I I still don't have a quite. I mean, it's clearly some kind of like inadequacy or just like I don't want to do this, man. Um, yeah, it's it's fear, and I think it's like uh, I had another word for it, but yeah, this is going to be a lot of work, and he's not sure that he's up for it. Yeah, yeah. at his age. So you think it's more of teach an old dog new tricks than a like? I just man, I just I just wanted to work in an Italian beef place, and now I'm going to this three Michelin star bullshit. Well, he's soul searching. I mean, that's that's what the lake scene's about, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got to figure out: is this for me? Um, I, I guess it's, it's got to not be for somebody, right? Like Richie wants it to be for him, but maybe it's not. But ultimately, I think there has to be somebody who's like, it just isn't for me. Yeah, because it's not for thing. everyone. That life is not easy, for sure, for sure. Or it's something you just might not want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like every educational opportunity is not necessarily something that you would, you know, it's like, oh, God, I don't then this is going to be my career now. What the fuck? Um, but I still don't quite know. Like, I think there's elements of all of this. I'm kind of curious to see what the conversation is going to be, because like the way the bear normally works is you see these persons, you know, we saw like Tina and Marcus going through this last year where they're either hostile or they're, you know, digging their heels in the ground. And it's not because they're just bloody-minded people, uh, like you might suspect in early goings, but it's always because there's some kind of insecurity or there's some kind of failure to communicate, and Karm comes in there with, you know, some wise words and some mentorship, and they get on board. Um, will that be another case of this, or will there be one that, like, you know, just not going to be a good fit for the bear? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Because they're also going to be adding, you know, there's like I saw a, a mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live alum uh, get get hired uh, by Sydney this episode. So I'm like, they're going to be adding right. new faces in the tail end. And then you've got like, yeah, like you're going to have the old guard and the new guard all over again. That guy looked extremely cocky. Uh, yeah. The how's that going to We mesh? really know about him is that his schedule's open. <laughs> Which yeah. is... I guess a start, but what about everything He's got a strong else? resume, right? Strong resume. Sure, sure. Uh, we should probably talk about Claire and Carm, right? Yeah, this is interesting. We and Maybe we can bring in some episode six knowledge here, too, because one thing we learned in this suite, this, this trio of episodes, is that Carm and uh, Claire have been sweet on each other since, like, grade school. And... Mm-hmm that they are the episode five makes it a point that they are very much the same person in that they both love something that is at its core a selfless act of service that is grody and gnarly and has brutal hours and uh but they do it because it's the thing that they love Mm -hmm. except for carm also has the pants 
the hot, the, the short shorts and the jeans in the oven and mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the, the, the design that, you know, like he has these pictures where he, he came up with the, this, this, the way he wanted to, do, to remake the bear, you know, years before he actually did it. Um, are they trying to say that this is his actual true passion and he got kind of stuck on food because of his family and that's the way that they show love and the end of the bear is going to be him letting the bear go because it's, you know, like mm, that's possible. Or is uh, it like you need to have you, if you make your passion your work, that's the way to destroy your passion. You need to always have a <laughs> sure. burn, side burner passion. Yeah, you got to have some jeans in the oven, right? Some other <laughs> jeans <laughs> gotta, in the oven. You got to have a couple. You got to have some selvage. Gotta uh-huh. have some selvage in the oven. <laughs> yeah. Or what are you even you're not you don't even have your you don't even have a hand in the game. You don't have selvage in the oven. Yeah, it, it could be that that like, oh maybe he got shunted into this because of his history. But to me it felt more like they're showing that he's a creative person and that gives him something extra in his cooking, which his his cooking is his passion, but a lot of a lot of people are not going to be able to come up with amazing dishes. They're not gonna they're not going to they'll be able to follow a menu and cook an amazing dish that has been created by someone else but he might have mm-hmm. the design chops to be able to create the dish himself mm-hmm. and that might be mm-hmm. what elevates him above everyone else uh otherwise it does seem that their position in claire is like the ideal woman for karm which makes me think this is going to end in disaster because karm's not really ready for his dream woman does that make sense like if you're going to have yeah. a final boss of a relationship and or like something, you know, it's like in, but you're you, you haven't properly leveled for that yet. You haven't got the correct equipment and spells and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all the sword jewel upgrades you need that you're going to fail. Um, I really worry about that because he's just, you know, like I said, he's he's in a position now where like if he pursues Claire, like pursuing Claire seems like it's making him fail at the bear. Mm-hmm. It's distracting him for sure. He just doesn't have. It's pissing off Sydney. Is there any jealousy there? Like, has Sydney kind of got a little bit of a crush on Carm, or is uh, it just jealousy because no, they're supposed I, to be married to this business and he's cheating on it to be with Claire and not even telling him or her? Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I read it as that for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, the the Claire stuff is interesting. I I think they're doing a really good job with this relationship and kind of like the toe dipping that he's doing and some of the dishonesty that's in the beginning of this. And the thing I love about it the most is they backfill all this context. They don't, they don't give you everything up front. They're not doing flashbacks to prep you for the thing that they're going to do in the current timeline right now. Mm -mm. Uh, What they do is they just do these things. Like why would he not give her the correct number? Well, it takes two episodes for us to even figure that out. Like episode six is the thing that tells us, you know, in, 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 yeah, like uncertain terms. It's not a, like they come out and say this is why he would do it. But like, I think he thinks she's too good for him. Like if she, oh, okay. He he thinks, look at this fucked up family. Uh, I have, I have no business pursuing her. Are you kidding me? She has friends and she's normal. And like, yeah, the only thing. The only thing I would push back against that is that Carm also has a huge history of people in his family finding normies to kind of escape to, like, you know, John Mulaney and I forget who the guy that, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, sugar is, but he seems like a, a really stand up guy that like, you know, he's got all this evidence he, of yeah. you can get away and find some sense of stability and kind of like make it on your own outside of this crazy circus but Mm -hmm. also yeah it's also got to be you know like you imagine the prep work you got to do to your lover before you take him to family christmas for the first time like listen 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 my uncle's gonna get drunk one of my cousins probably gonna take a swing at him uh someone might drive through the living room it's Mm -hmm. gonna be okay (laughs) like at some point you just probably just decide to stop going to family christmas you know uh yeah. Or maybe start your own kids' table family Christmas without all of the crazy people. I don't know. <laughs> sure, but then it's the crazy my people sister get all more done. pissed off, and they they come disrupt your yeah. Christmas because they can, yeah. and like yeah. going out. I don't know. Uh, uh, but I've... but the the other thing about the the relationship there is there there's a moment in episode six where Mikey and Richie come to him and say like hey we met up we met with Claire we we saw her at the store or whatever and med school, boy yeah. man she's changed right she's not chubby anymore now she's got the banging bod and the brain to match and like we we put in a good word for you or whatever and Carm's just like why why would you do that uh yeah I I I feel like he there's so much trauma from who he's around and who these people are in his life that he is not able. He doesn't think he's able to connect with anybody in that way. And, and you so see like, how effortlessly he does in episode five connect with so many people. Sure. Yeah. Once they start having like actual oh. conversations. Um, yeah. And, and you think, oh, they, they might have been good together the whole time. I don't know. Or maybe she has her own fucked up stuff. Right. Because she's a little. True. She's a little intense as well. Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say we know everything about her yet. I feel sure. like there are layers to peel back. Um, and Honestly, it's a bit of a red flag that she like realized that he gave her a fake number and like Didn't get tried to track, upset. or or Came just be like it, you yeah. know like okay fuck this guy you know mm-hmm. like I've I, I this is like what the third time I've kind of chased after him and now he's giving me a fake number fuck like. There's a little yeah. bit of like Jesus Christ. What is? Where's the self respect? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe it is a sign of self respect um, in a in a way. Because uh, like I'm like once I see that there's a person that's trying to be drama, uh, you know, trying to bring drama, I just like fuck this, disconnect. I don't I don't care what your deal is. I don't want to understand it. You know, good luck, good luck to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I guess maybe it's other like to be incensed and tell the person off or like demand an answer. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's a, the proper amount of assertive. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's. I just don't feel like we fully explored that yet. But I know so much more about it now after episode six, at least from Carm's yeah. side. I do wonder if they're trying to build up that like Carm. Like that's his move is that he kind of like bullshits his way through uncomfortable situations or like he's quick to tell a lie to kind of get through it. Like instead of exp- it's tough because it's a joke, but instead of like clearing up his, uh, you know, his classmates uh, confusion about who he is, he just goes with Logan and starts, you know, f- you know telling his, fa- his fabulous story about his latest exploits and she kind of like busts him and. I think there's a connection there because that springsboard the conversation into the fake number, the second conversation about the fake number, which he still doesn't really directly answer. Nope. He's still not. He finds a way to 
talk around it until something happens that interrupts it, and then they get into a makeout session. Mm-hmm. Eventually, after the yeah. cops get called, and you know he goes to the bar, and uh, not the bar, the bear. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the surprise fact attack at the end? Fac attack, attack and and Claire have fucked in high school. Is that is that what I was supposed to get from that conversation? He said, "Yeah, Fac is like big grins, like yeah, you going to get Claire? I did that." And he's like, "I know you did, Fac. Like Fac and Car might be Peter's in law by the end of the season." <laughs> hmm. Boy, why why would she have done that? I mean, first of all, we don't know what Fack looked like in high school. And Fack is a nice guy. I, I mean, knew five Fack... years ago, he looked roughly the same as he does now. <laughs> but that was still way Just after high school. Get up. Look, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've seen some, you know, you got the, like, Claire's where you got the high school, the adult life glow up. And then you've got the far more uh, common mm-hmm. uh, co- uh, high school to adult just crash and decrepitude. Grind um, down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's, he's like a friendly guy. He's a nice guy. He cares. He's funny. Um, you know, uh, I, sure. I I don't know. And also, she they they said that she was like a little baggy frumpy, and you know, did this. it's like I just keep every time I see someone's like, oh, she's like I was like, oh, she oh, so so she's Anne Hathaway in the Princess Diaries. She wore baggy sweaters and her 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 hair up and and wear glasses and then you just you know get her into something that fits her take her glasses off put her hair down like oh my god it's fucking Anne Hathaway how do we not mm-hmm. see this before um I don't know Claire seems pretty cute yeah uh what else what else so I still worry so, that they don't have time for each other is the thing like timing's this, a lot yeah yeah they're gonna try and make time and it's going to make both of them suffer the other thing that's interesting about Richie is there's this phrase he uses twice in this stretch where he says, I'm not uh, I'm not like this because I'm in Van, ha- Van Halen. I'm in Van Halen because I'm like this. Is Richie a case of fake it till you make it and he just has never made it? Because, like, he seems compulsively mm-hmm. unable to be genuine. Like, even when he gets a glimmer of, like, his uncle not shutting him hard down about getting him a job he has to run back to his wife and overblow the success there and only Mm -hmm. his uncle fake uncle not like it's being christmas really keeps Uh that from just being uh him being eviscerated on christmas eve in front of his fiance's pregnant girlfriend whatever Mm -hmm. um but like god the guy is just so He's just so pathetic right now. Yeah, he, he strikes me as a guy who like doesn't quite have the same capabilities as the people around him, right? Um, and is trying to compensate for that. Try, trying to make it appear like he does. Like he's just as good as the rest of those people. I'm not saying he couldn't be, but for whatever reason, whether he hasn't applied himself, whether he's like uh, too, too lazy or something, it, he just ha- doesn't have it. Like his brothers do right he doesn't have the charm of mikey and he doesn't have the skills of his his younger brother or his his cousin sorry uh right carm asterisk on cousin of course yeah and he's so he's trying to like compensate by making himself seem bigger and better than he actually is and yeah that's sad that's pathetic but 
it's where the he's opposite at. of the Luca guy from Denmark, right? Like, there's a guy who mm. met, meets his betters and is like, God damn, I'm not as good as them. What I need to shut my mouth, open my eyes, and learn. Like, mm. when Richie meets that person, he blusters, he bullies, he puffs himself out. He, uh, like, even like, like, he, like, he even does this with like sugar. Like, what? What are you trying to out Alpha Carm's little sister for, man? And failing, by the way. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and it's interesting, too, because it's all a lot of it revolves around Mikey, right? Like, you can see how he acts when he's around Mikey is very much like he, he's deferent to him, but also very much like I want to get in on what Mikey's got. You know, he's trying to, to absorb some of his power in those moments. And I think he then takes that when Mikey's out of the room and out of the picture, he now tries to be Mikey and it comes across as just overbearing and assholish. Whereas Mikey was always able to pull off the charming part of that. Interesting. Cause you're right. We see uh pre Mikey's death, Richie, and he's not that real overbearing Jack. Like, no. Yeah. Richie. He's trying to be like, is, I want in on what's going on here. With yeah. Mikey, he saw right? like, like a I'm, Michael, a Mikey power vacuum and thought he could step into it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's doing um, it in all the wrong ways. Right. Right. Even though we see that Mikey is like that a hell of a lot of the time too. Mikey's got a a trigger, a hair trigger on his anger. Mikey's got serious issues around his own pride and ego. And I think Richie has those too now. And I don't know if he's and like an addiction them from him. And addiction issues on top of everything yeah. too. Yeah, you, you see know, that him was half of his problem at, at the party. Yeah. Being strung out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also the thing about Richie is no one takes him seriously. I, I like it's really humorous in episode five to see, you know, when uh, um, oh, shoot, who is the uncle? Uh, Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy is trying to talk to the kids like, you know, you guys were six weeks away and I've got I'm already 500 to 800,000 into the hole here and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Richie's trying to interject and he's like constantly shut the fuck up, Richie. You know, mm-hmm. like he just like that just pauses. It's just like punctuation. Shut the fuck, Richie. And then it's like a lot sadder in episode six where without that provides just like, you know, he just like, like literally no one takes him seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like he's like the little brother hanging out with the older brother and his yeah. friends that are way cooler and way more with it. And he desperately wants to be them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we get back to episode six? Uh, no. We'll be right back with more Bald Move after this brief pause. And now, back with more Bald Move. All right. You had uh, something that you really wanted to uh, get out about episode six. Let's start there. Yeah, we already talked about it. Um, oh. The way that they handle <laughs> flashbacks, which aren't which don't come at the times I would expect them to in this show, which is like yeah. right before they're going to do something big with a character. Instead, right. they do them episodes later to yeah. kind of backfill the context for you. That, and that's the thing. It's like when I get to episode six, I see people saying, I don't understand why this is a good episode or what we learn new. It's like, I got to think these people are half their attention is on her cell phone because you mm. are supposed to be watching this show extremely closely and you're supposed to notice things that don't make sense 
or notice when people's expressions don't match what they're saying or where they're looking at and like have that in the back of your mind so that you then make the connection three episodes later of like, oh, that's why mm-hmm. that was. And since some of the stuff is nonverbal, too. Yeah. Um, like when you, you miss Richie looking at his wife's, uh, you know, diamond ring or whatever that like you might be at the get the end of that episode and just find like, oh, this was on like like if if you're just looking at your phone till 10 minutes to go in episode six, you could c- conclude that this was just a loud, ugly, noisy episode <laughs> that we learned nothing new in. But mm-hmm. if on a close watch, like I felt like so many pieces were falling into place and it was sadly relatable in a lot of ways. And um I mean, it's still extremely stressful to watch, mm-hmm. um, but it's like, God, all the all of the parts ever in played, starting with Jamie Lee Curtis's Donna, where you get this situation. Where we've got a mother who no one is asking her. In fact, plenty of people would tell her to stop with the seven fishes. But she does it anyway, pushes everyone's attempts to help away mm-hmm. and then waits until you know the, 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 they're almost done and then punishes everyone for not of help and not appreciating um, yeah. and it's just a it's just an ugly sad display and I've seen it go the other way where a family member finally stops doing the thing that they are persecuting everyone for for not showing appreciation for and the family doesn't even notice or maybe prefers it that way and then they get pissed off about that mm-hmm. so it's like there's, there's no, no way making there's no yeah. making Donna happy because she's a miserable, yeah. miserable person with a ton of mental illnesses that she's uh, self-medicating with alcohol. And it's just a tragic situation. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's also like, but you, there's nothing you can do. If you tell mom, sit down, don't do the seven fishes, then you're going to be an asshole who wants to throw away tradition. If you want to get in there and mm-hmm. help, you're just going to fuck things up and she's going to belittle and she's going to say that you're ruining things and you're in her way. And then if no one helps, she's going to... And the thing is, is like, I I was struck by at the end of the seven fishes when it's all foods on the table and everyone's in there. Like for the first time all evening, people were having pleasant conversations and enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. The thing that she did shut everyone up, brought them to the table, and they were showing appreciation just by the way they were acting. But she couldn't appreciate it because she was in the other room talking about how she slaved away all day and no one showing appreciation for it. Yeah. It's just like, Jesus, Donna, just go in there and bask in your success. But that's like, you know, she's just, she's just too far gone, you know? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a mess. Like, I, I don't even know where to start talking about these characters because it's such a mess. Like, you would hope that one of them, and there are a couple of them that realize, like, hey things are completely fucked up here and we need to like simmer this whole thing down it's it's calm and it's sugar sugar uh nah whatever they're the ones that are kind of like the peacekeepers but the way that they try and keep the peace comes off as insulting to the people they're trying to calm down and it's that's the that's there's just no way to win right like because because nat is incapable of not asking her mother if she's okay and that pisses her off because she's not and no one will talk about it right because Mikey's idea is like he literally states the best things to deal with things is sometimes not to deal with them and like that in the moment moment, sure 
like, yeah, like, it, like maybe now is not the time to ask your mom are you okay uh yeah, yeah, yeah. but long term yeah you yeah. need to get that out in the air you need to deal with it because it's not getting uh, any better obviously do you think because uh, some person some i saw someone suggest that they thought that they were hinting that jamie lee curtis has early stage dementia I don't know that I got any of that. I think that no. this is all easily explainable through some array of emotional and mental issues and just tons of alcohol. And there's like also you talk about the peacekeepers. Like I would think that a lot of people, especially if they don't are not aware of these dynamics, would say that Uncle Jimmy is one of those peacekeepers. <laughs> I think Uncle Jimmy's a shitster and an enabler. Because he's the one that like yeah. always, you know, tells Donna she's looking better than ever. She's doing great. But then when she, her back's turned, oh, I'm sensing darkness here. Like he kind of is hungry for it because this is the hmm. dynamic that he's familiar with. And it's the one that lets him feel superior to all of them because he's the one that's made it. He's the one successful. And mm-hmm. but he kind of and there's a little bit of the John Mulaney, too, that they're taking this glee of like seeing their lessers mm-hmm. be clowns for their amusement. Yeah, that scene where he agrees to lend them $500. Right. He doesn't do it because he thinks he's ever going to see any of that money back. He does it because yeah. it'll be an entertaining story for him, a thing to and, to watch. And that's not super malicious, but when you're doing that with, like, people's addiction and, yeah, like... And yeah. that's the other thing. It's, like, when you've got a person that's, like, very poorly emotionally regulated, uh, it's kind of on you to de-escalate the situation because Mikey's not gonna Mikey's not like no. by the time Mikey picked up that second spoon nothing in his body chemistry was capable of not throwing the third mm-hmm. like literally everyone else at the table like would have had to do something like get the other uncle was Uncle Phil who was the Lee uh, Uncle Lee Uncle Lee they'd like but like and and but you see like John Mulaney does this beautiful thing where in a lesser show that would be the end of the episode and like you know crisis was averted because someone gave this uh, loving empathetic speech uh, that honored their traditions and their family and their <laughs> their pride as Italian Americans and their religious sensibilities and everything and you you could tell it's like ah oh, I did it just perfect but it's like if anything it probably just made Mikey seethe. Mm-hmm. Because here's a guy showing him up. Here's a guy who's being the you know educated, uh, well-adjusted, came from a good family, thinks you know thinks he's better than us, and it's it's just it's just really sad. But uh, I've seen it happen so many fucking times, so many permutations. Sure. Yeah, there's there's a there's a certain logic to it when you when you hold everybody up and say in what ways are they broken. In what ways are they hurting themselves and how do those things interact with each other in this family dynamic? I think it becomes almost inevitable that a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff is going to happen. Uh, like I, I didn't see a I, once once Lee starts saying you're nothing and, and starts yeah. like really digging. Like, honestly, it was it was immediately as soon as he said something about like. You're gonna say grace as long as it's a grace we haven't heard a million times. I'm like, this right. is it. This is it. That's another. Those both those uncles are fucking world class shitsters. Yeah, neither and, of and, these guys is gonna let this go, and it's gonna escalate uh, until either something distracts them from it, yeah. which was hard to imagine what at that moment. I thought I thought it was when the mom came in to sit down. It was going to get diffused. I was like, oh, here's mom. We can't act like idiots around her. Fortunately, she's capable of acting like an idiot, too. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, there's there's also commentary on like food preparation in general, because like we've seen, 
you know, like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Donna has this great speech about, you know, look, I worked all day for this. I make beautiful things for these people and no one ever does takes the time to make anything beautiful for me. And you see in Carmi's face that he got that kind of like rings true to him with this food thing that like you pour your heart and soul into this thing to give a person a fleeting pleasure. And you either get it that that's your life and that's what you're doing. You know, you're not you're not feeding a person forever. You're not giving them like love and contentment. You are just filling their belly and giving them a dopamine hit until six hours later when their belly rumbles again. You either Mm -hmm. get that about the game or you don't. And like Donna clearly doesn't get it. And it's an open question whether Carmi will ever you know, either find the other things in his life that he needs to plug in to make his life complete or be chasing that spiral like Donna did. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. I have this way that I show love to people and I don't feel appreciated in the way that I need to be appreciated for it. And I'm going to make it everyone's problem. Yeah, which is why I don't think Claire is necessarily like this perfect match made in heaven for him. Right. Because they right. both have that that itch they're trying to scratch. But like, and we don't know what her damage is. Like, what was her? Is her, yeah. does she come from a well-adjusted family, or is she like Carm, where she has used different connections to escape? And we got. Mm-hmm. I guess we could talk about that too. Is that like we've got uh, a real starting to get a clear in, um, understanding of how he escaped in New York? Like his cousin Sarah yeah, Paulson Michelle. essentially said, "I've got some connections. I know you like cooking. Uh, you can come stay with us. You can get out of the city. The New York is awesome." You get plugged in the scene. Clearly, he takes her up on that offer, and that's mm-hmm. what, you know, uh, he's got all the raw. He's he's fresh off of Copenhagen. He's got all these skills, all this inspiration, but there's no environment from him to express any of these things, and she is giving him that. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily help him, right? I mean, he comes back with this addiction. Like, when you're, when you see him come back to Chicago... I get the impression that that was a very high stress environment for him and whatever he was doing out there led him down some dark rabbit holes. Mm. So it might be good to get away from this horrible family, Mm -hmm. but it might not have been the right place to flee to. Well, you know, like you see how shocking it was that scene with the, was it uh, Joel McHale uh, where he was his old boss and he just, just berating him and dressing him down and screaming and telling him he's not good enough. And like, it's shocking when you first see it. Like, Mm -hmm. my God, Carmi, someone we at that point in the series had already respected so much. Like, look at this, but you can see that like he'd already gone through boot camp that was 20 times as brutal as anything that that guy could dish out for people that he loved. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. he's like uniquely designed to go through this acid test to be able to thrive in these environments. The other people, you know, would be would be choked out on. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he, you know, doesn't necessarily develop his addictions because of the stress of the environment, but more like personally, he can't. He doesn't find it fulfilling he's like the environment is not conducive to him thriving it's just yeah he can operate in that but Mm. it's like i'm not doing what i want to do or something maybe that creative outlet is gone because he is a very creative person like we talked about yeah i I do want to talk about the seven fishes thing because it's Mm. like that is the meal that jamie lee curtis is trying to prepare in this episode and 
there's so much around that so much of the family dynamic is like encapsulated in this meal and it's I think interesting because you've got Carm, who's a guy who's been to Copenhagen, worked at Noma, is top tier chef. He could probably make these seven fishes dishes in his sleep. And yet here's his mother who's struggling with her alcoholism, trying to prepare seven dishes, forgetting what timer is which like clearly she's she's done this before and she's capable of it but she's not as capable as Carm would have been and then she's saying like I wish somebody would do something nice for me and Carm mm-hmm. is equipped to do that Carm could take over in this kitchen make her a beautiful meal better than anything she's going to be able to whip up mm-hmm. but she won't let him she right she won't let that. anybody get near right. this this is her thing right and it's like it's sad in that kind of toxic way you know mm-hmm. Where like she can't she can't step out of that role, whatever role she's in, to be like, okay, let's let's pass the torch, you know, let's let's let the kid take care of me for once yeah. because he's capable now. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and and man, I, and I I get it because like I well, I'm having that problem with dad now because he's finally he's seventy five, seventy six. He's finally slowing down. Like he yeah. was, you know, uh, but he takes my brothers and sisters and eyes attempts to like well dad you know let us take some of this load as like mm-hmm. affronts to his masculinity and yeah, i guess they are yeah. if you've been fit and strong being able to do anything in your entire life and suddenly you need help to do things then that is going to be a front to your masculinity but also you, <laughs> i mean jesus you thought you're going to like be like moses and be you know your eye not dim and your hands not shake and your vital strength not leave until you're not like you know most mm-hmm. of us do slow down and you and to the extent that you can negotiate that different stage of your life but you it's it's yeah it's so clear and it's also clear that the, the that's the intrinsic thing in this co-enabling dance is that you have these people who are uh, desperate people in shitty situations doing desperate shitty things to each other because they don't know how to just authentically be with each other and show love. So mm-hmm. they do these things to escalate and goad until one of them crosses a line that makes the other feel worthless and the other the, the one feels worthless, the other feels like a giant bully and then they can finally have an intimate moment where they connect in the showy apology or the giant mm-hmm. fight or like that's a way that they can actually be intimate, you know? Um, yeah. because yeah, uh, because like even like that that scene where Carm and Michael are in the the pantry talking, mm-hmm. and Carmi is like, I don't even think you you know that like, you don't give a shit about me, and like that blows John Bernthal away. And what a mm-hmm. like like it's such a stupid script. Like, I give a fuck about you, Carm. Sure. I give like the biggest fuck. Yeah, but. John Bernthal is every fiber in his body, you know, selling that performance of like a man who's genuinely gutted that his attempts to save his brother are being interpreted as him like not thinking about him at all or like having hostility. And like it, it makes him like cry, but like he can't just like give his brother a hug and be brotherly because like, you know, then they'll be calling each other the other F slur and they'll be accusing mm-hmm. it's like it, it's they, they they can't just be normal they literally they physically they they uh, um, brain chemistry and family history and relation to them is they they can't do that so they do this other thing and it's crazy but it's also like 
makes <laughs> yeah. a lot of sense from their perspective. Yeah, and, and they won't talk about that perspective either, right? And, and so, like, it becomes frustrating and angering for the people around them. Like, the, yeah. the thing about that closet, that pantry scene is... It's sad, in a way, because, like, Mikey... how much is Mikey aware of what kind of guy he is he's got to be a little bit aware of it because he takes offense when Lee tells him like constantly picking at him about his follow through right oh where's the recipe for the the pasta sauce where's all these other things you said you were going to do when you go to write that business plan Mikey right and and he knows he hasn't done them there's that's something that can rightfully be thrown in his face and he's pissed off about it because he has this ego. He, he likes to think of himself as a guy who does things or whatever. Um, and then there's a scene with Carmi where Carm comes to him and says, Hey, I've got this idea for the bear. I, I want to go in on you or with you on this restaurant. Uh, we can do this thing together. It's going to be great. I've got the connections and the talent. I, we can make this work. Shows him this beautiful design that he's made and it's super touching to Mikey but Mikey says no you am not I'm not going to let you do that and it's I think it's because Mikey knows that he's not the guy to run this with Carm but he doesn't say this he doesn't say to Carm I'm the problem here and you don't and he has no idea how he just pushes him away he says no we're not going to do that and, and I don't think Mikey thinks like it's like it's 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 not that fully formed a thought. It's more of like no, totally. It's just a I, response to a I, feeling. I, like, he has. I, I gotta get to it. I can't bring my brother in this because it's all fucked. But I can unfuck it if I can just unfuck it. Then I can bring my brother into it. And I wonder if the two hundred and fifty grand that he's got stashed in tomato cans uh-huh. in the walls is part of that plan to unfuck it. That's like I, that, he's fucking I it think... more and more. But that's in his mind. It's like I'm gonna take this two fifty. I'm gonna get it to Carm. And he's going to make the bear the way that he wants. I think that's exact. The sad story of this story. Uh, one of the sad stories of the show is that, yeah, I think I think it's Michael had this crystalline plan. I'm mm-hmm. going to borrow a bunch of money from Uncle Jimmy. I'm going to kill myself. And then leave I will leave all that bear, money free and clear so mm-hmm. that he has a seed money that no one knows about. And boom. Uh, yeah. Now, that was a bad plan because he's an addict and he's not in his right mind. And he doesn't think that, like, you know, the fact that, sure. th- that the business is going to be encumbered and Uncle Jimmy's going to want his money back. And but like, I, I think that's what it seems like they're telling us a story of, mm-hmm. you he know, the whole like, especially that let it rip when that was the yeah. phrase he that the, the he's talked about, that Carm said that like this, that that let it rip means something very specific in this relationship which is executing on this plan that Carm brought to him five years ago that he mm-hmm. knew the beef couldn't and no way we had no capital to do that. Look, like I got Tina and Ibra here and fucking Richie. You think they're going to let us go to the kitchen brigade and do all this? Like it just, it's just like that. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like trying to turn bald move into the ringer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you first sure. first you need first you need a 50 million dollar injection from uh spotify or whatever to do it mm-hmm. but like yeah it'd be like there's just no fucking way you can't get there from here with what we got or at least there's no way that mikey can see that yeah and then you can see like when he breaks down and cries i think it's because he feels like he's failing his brother he he does and i think he also knows that he's confusing his brother and he's making his brother feel hurt at the Which same the time that he's thing. failing him. Yeah, it's last like... last thing he wanted to do. 
absolutely but he's incapable of just like telling his brother i'm no good i don't want you near this i don't want you near me because i'm just gonna fuck you up like he can't say that he's got too much pride right yeah yeah but he can act it and in doing so hurt his brother even more (laughs) it's a weird dynamic but i feel like it's so perfect in this scenario why did donna drive the car through the 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 home i kind of feel like this is an attention move i the way she laughs at the end she she's gone from like deep sadness and despair that no one gives a shit about her no one will do anything for her and she you know gets pissed off about that for the 10th time asking her if she's okay goes outside to the car and just i think I think maybe unintentionally or half unintentionally driving it through the garage wall into the living room, but I'm not certain about that. To me, it feels like I'm going to take the attention back. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it feels sort of intentional. I think, I mean, tell me if you agree, I think it might could be interpreted as an attempt, a last ditch attempt to keep Mikey from punching Uncle Lee. Because like, you know, the you dance, so? like she instantly converted all of Mikey's rage and resentment towards his Uncle Lee. And we talked about there might be, you know, there could be they had an affair. There could be lots of reasons why they have this animosity. Um, But he she that that instantly converted into in concern for his mother because Richie's just like oh my oh, god mom sure, yeah. are you okay you gotta get you out of this car he's got so like she saw she quashed the beef uh mm-hmm. by making herself a bigger spectacle but also there's the darker thing is that she's like yeah that no one is paying attention to her anymore and she wanted to grab the conch back in the family so there's yeah. like I mean that feels like this family I, the, I didn't the, think all, that the, she the, the even wo- really it's the wounded versus uh, grandiose narcissist type <laughs> yeah no, I, I didn't feel like she really registered much of the Mikey Lee stuff that was going on in that scene. She was more concerned really about what's going on with her um, and, you know, the appreciation that she's getting or not getting from her family. I thought it was neat that they had to like the, you know, they had to cycle through like uh, um, Sugar half the thousand yard stare and then they go to Carmi and he's actually staring at the cannoli with the fork stuck out of it. And I thought like kind of disassociating and it's like, again, telling the story of like him retreating into the world of food to escape this uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And then being the only two people who you would consider reasonable in this entire family might Um, be the only people in this and the, the bear from the, the bear clan, uh, at least this fraction that are still alive. Cause I, is Donna still alive? I don't know. I I can't remember. I I honestly can't remember. I think their dad is dead. Yeah, I don't think he's around even in this scene. And I think that's part of it, right? Like one of the Mm -hmm. things that Donna can't handle is being alone so much now that her kids are out, now that her husband is gone slash dead. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm. I'm curious to see, you know, what is the the family status of of today? Is Donna still around? Is mm-hmm. that something that uh, you know this uh, this show is the type to use a splashy guest star and then, 
you know, like last year, I at that point I'd given up, uh, you know, finding out more about Mikey. John Bernthal shows up in a flashback, like you said, seventh episode. Here we mm-hmm. get him and Jamie Lee Curtis and half of the other AMC regulars. And uh, yeah, are we gonna? Does that mean she's gonna show up again, or is it gonna be just a big puzzle piece, and we're gonna have a lot more puzzle to figure out? But. I don't know. That's and the, uh, then you know the other thing is like I just also don't know. Like, is this going to be more aspirational? Um, should I like? It, it, should I get my hopes up that Carmi's going to be able to turn the corner and find happiness and be able to fully integrate all the crazy things about his life and his talents and his ambitions and passions? Or is he going to spin out? Is there going to be anybody that makes it out like Marcus and Tina? Or is this just going to be a really tragic story? Is Richie going to? I, I got so many different rooting interests at different levels and some of them are at cross odds to each other, but uh, yeah, this was a great place to stop. <laughs> great place yeah. to stop and catch your breath uh, before we continue the, the coverage tomorrow. Uh, what else do we do? You, do you have anything else you want to talk about these, uh, this, this, this triarch of episodes? I don't think so. Uh, not as funny, not as funny as the la- the first three. <laughs> um, so yeah, we uh, we'll be back tomorrow to finish out the series. Uh, please send any feedback you have to prestige at baldmove.com. And if we get enough of it, we'll probably do a wrap up, see everybody's thoughts uh, going into season three, uh, which I assume we'll get more. It doesn't feel like you can wrap up the bear. Um, I don't know. Cause like last season felt like if they didn't get a second season, it would have been a great self-contained. I'd, I always think it behooves shows to do that, like as best you can wrap up every season like it will be your last, but also with a few threads you can pull. Um, yeah, we're we're what five would be five weeks out at the, the in the next episode. I'm starting to get wobbly on Possibly. whether they're we're going to get to the opening or not. I was pretty convinced that we wouldn't. But mm-hmm. now that we've got four episodes and we're only five weeks away, maybe we get the opening night. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I don't think the show's been renewed yet, but I can't imagine with the buzz that this show gets, uh, if it's canceling it, it had every bit of buzz it had last year and it feels like it's built a little. Yeah. Just from social media, just from the Reddit, uh, just from people's, uh, excitement and social media that, you know, tagging us and stuff. Yeah. Prestige at baldmove.com. If, uh, you want to, you got something to say about the bear. Uh, and everything happening on it. Otherwise, we'll see you back tomorrow to wrap up the Bear Season 2. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. We'll see you.